David Graham is a speaker, author, businessman, former pastor, and founding director of Youth with a Mission Montana. He is also the author of the song, In Moments Like These. This song appropriately describes this podcast, which is a short, biblically-based, and encouraging devotional influenced by David's lifetime of personal moments. These moments are shared with a heart to encourage and inspire you to see Him, our Heavenly Father, at work in your own moments. I know this is David's heart in sharing because he has spent my lifetime speaking hope and encouragement into my own heart. If you would, take a few minutes and listen today. I am really proud of the things that he has done throughout his life, but what I am most proud of and grateful for is for the kind of dad, daddy, he has been to me. Last week, I shared part one of my story about those moments when during one single 24-hour period, my life turned upside down. It was a day when God came to rescue me from my emotional mess. As I shared, it started with a very real and very vivid vision. What took place next was, for me, even more amazing. For me, it was the answer. Here is part two exactly the way it happened. After the vision faded, I ran home as fast as I could, all the while repeating over and over, God, please explain what just happened. Excited yet frustrated, I cried, but God, the vision, what's the meaning? I need to know the meaning. As I drew closer to home, I realized it was senseless to hurry. Although I wanted to share my experience with Kathy, I began to question myself and the vision's reality. Perhaps it was all my imagination, or I only wanted the vision to have significance. So I decided to remain silent through the remainder of the day. Late into the night, I internally repeated my anxious question. What does it all mean? Finally, I fell asleep about midnight, but sometime toward morning, I had a dream. It was very detailed and all in living color. It is the one dream I will never, ever forget. In my dream, it was me, David, riding across the desert on a white horse. I had become the rider. I had become the soldier in the vision of the day before. The experience was new and incredible yet as familiar as if I had ridden this animal for 10,000 years. The horse knew me well. I was his master and friend. We galloped for many miles and countless hours across the desert floor. The gallant steed never tired as he charged for home, retracing the tracks he had pounded into the sand earlier that day. I had completed a mission, and I rode with dignity and confidence and unshakable joy. Near day's end, we ascended a huge dune, and as we crested its top and lunged down its backside, I beheld an enormous and magnificent city surrounded by a massive wall stretching out of sight in both directions. The charger headed for the main gate, the entrance to the most magnificent palace imaginable, towering over the city. No such palace 
ever existed in any earthly kingdom, and it stood out like a redwood tree in a field of wheat. Three angels guarding the gate awaited my return. I rode toward them, jumping from the saddle as my horse came to an abrupt stop. The captain of the guard, a striking, powerful creature, approached me and took the reins of my horse. He gazed at me with respect and asked, How did it go today, Sir David? Although a part of me was astonished by this designation of nobility, I replied with poise, It went well, thank you. The other two guardsmen pushed open the gates as I stepped through the great passageway. They followed me and the captain who was now leading my horse. We entered a vast, sandy courtyard bordering the front and sides of the immense palace. Inside the courtyard, hundreds of groups of people had gathered in an orderly fashion to perform different creative exercises. There were artists producing a variety of crafts and exquisite paintings, dancers with marvelous style and grace, musicians performing the most beautiful music, writers inventing fascinating stories, engineers developing new and unusual inventions, orators and audiences, practitioners and observers, all learning, creating, performing, and living life to the fullest, as it was meant to be. One group caught my attention. A dozen young men and women were actively drilling in some martial art form. Each held a sword, which they flashed and swirled in perfect harmony. In the middle of the exercise, one of the young brothers awkwardly dropped his sword at his side. Now, as the oldest brother in a family with three younger sisters, I had, unfortunately, developed a habit of teasing, which for a moment tempted me to make some clever remark to this young brother. But the new side of me declined to resort to my old habit. Instead, I began to view this boy with honor as a growing young warrior. At that precise moment, an older brother standing nearby knelt in the sand, lifted the sword, and respectfully presented it to his young comrade. With gratitude, the younger brother took the sword and moved back into the ranks. Then I heard a voice, the father's voice, saying, In the kingdom of heaven, there is no competition. Now, as a person who loves sports and games, I didn't then, and I don't now believe this statement meant God condemns athletic or other healthy activities. Healthy competition will surely go on forever. What I understood the Father to mean was, in the kingdom, no one ever has to compete to establish his or her significance. No one has to fight to keep significance. There will never be an activity in the Father's house that will intrude upon the integrity of even one of his children. From the outer courtyard, I climbed the steps to the west entrance of the palace, where I entered a vast hallway nearly a hundred yards long. As I began to walk down the corridor, I noticed an open door on my left. Stopping for a moment, I saw that the door opened into a room filled with dozens of my sisters preparing themselves for some grand occasion. They brushed one another's hair and helped each other with makeup. As I observed their beauty and grace, I was overwhelmed with a sense of devotion and honor for them. Two words seemed to visually drift toward the doorway, dignity and beauty. One of the girls, having her hair braided, spotted me 
and turned to raise her right hand in welcome, calling my name, David. At once, the roomful of sisters joined in her sincere greeting. I felt such affection and respect coming from all of them. With my hands at my side, I bowed with respect, then raised my right hand in a parting salute and continued down the hallway. At the end of this lengthy corridor, I came to a huge pair of raised panel doors, nearly as tall and wide as the hallway itself. I pushed them open to reveal a massive dining hall containing a table of immense proportions beginning some 50 feet to my left and continuing beyond my range of vision to the right. On both sides of the table, as far as the eye could see, countless brothers and sisters were enjoying a beautiful evening meal together in what struck me as the most harmonious sense of family I could imagine. After closing the doors, I turned to locate my empty seat, which was a little to my right, about 25 seats from the head of the table. As I approached my place, I noticed out of the corner of my eye that the person at the head of the table rose from his seat, pushed back his chair, and walked across the room until he stood directly in my path. In a most tender way, he stretched out his arms toward me and placed his strong hands lovingly on each of my shoulders. With an intense look of pride and compassion, he looked into my eyes and greeted me with words similar to those of the angel at the gate. Yet these few simple words were far more profound. These words penetrated my soul and changed my life forever. He said, How did it go today, my son? I woke up, and I woke up. Tears streamed down my face as this new revelation opened my eyes to the rest of my life. I didn't wake up as a businessman, a seminar speaker, or a pastor. I didn't wake up a husband, father, or spiritual leader. I woke up a son. In that moment, I got up. I got dressed. I walked downstairs, and I began my new life. And that is how it happened. Through a stunning vision and a vivid dream, which for me was nothing less than a miracle, I came to understand and embrace the fact that God was my father and that I was one of his loved sons. And that revelation and the embracement of it changed me forever, spiritually and emotionally. For me, it was the same as being healed of a terminal physical disease. The panic attacks were gone, over, and I was a new person. I am humbly proud to say that I was and still am one of our father's sons and one of our father's soldiers. Dear friend, I want to remind you once more that our father in heaven, the one that Jesus pointed us to, he loves you so much and he will always be there for you. This morning, a good friend, a brother, posted a scripture verse online. I feel I'm to pass that on to you right now. It's Exodus chapter 3, verse 12, and it's just after Moses voices his anxiety over the giant assignment God was putting in front of him. I love this verse. 
God answers Moses with these words, I will be with you. God, the maker of heaven and earth, is your loving and trustworthy Father. And no matter what you may be facing, He will be with you. He is with you. Embrace Him as your Father. Embrace who you are as one of His children. And then, march forward. Oh, Father, we are so humbled and yet so proud to be your children. You make us feel alive again. You build us up. You make us strong where we have been weak. You heal us. I pray for this one again today. Fill this dear one with new revelation, with new confidence, peace, and healing power. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Let it be. You've been listening to In Moments Like These with David Graham. If you'd like to contact David or find out more information about In Moments Like These, please visit InMomentsLikeThese.com.